live from New York City, and I didn't mean to make a Saturday Night Live reference there at all. That's not. It would have been live from New York. Did you ever watch Saturday Night Live, Rudy? Uh, I don't really watch now. I used to watch like I had the DVD. I had the Chris Farley DVD. Um, but that was like kind of before my time. And yes, then, it was. Yeah. So was. I, I, honestly, I have not been a great consumer of SNL, and but but I do know some of the famous bits. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm in New York. I did get up this morning. I was sort of on first take, and then <laughs> I did uh, Jalen and Jacoby. And so there's a lot of content coming from your boy. We have Van Pelt scheduled to join us today. So that is exciting news. Van Pelt will be on the show. And I just got a text from Woj because Woj and I are doing Get Up on Friday together where I'm going to do the Woj pod after the fact. So good stuff. Uh, quick, quick flight in, though. Big two days for you. Wow. Big two days. Yeah. Came out to do Jalen Jacoby, and I love it. I love it when everybody's like, hey, do you want to stop by for a little bit? I said, yeah, no problem. Let's uh, let's give the people what they want. But the Woj pod will be – I don't know if I'll – I feel like by the time I get to Woj, I'm going to be repeating myself. You know what I may just do is interview him on his own pod and be like, what do you think's going on? And people would like that. What do you think's going on here? But you know how – Whenever I tried to like, okay, rumor wise, what's hot right now? He doesn't, he doesn't always love it when I ask him those questions. <laughs> so, um, but we do get along well enough that I think I can get away with it because I'm going to try it one more time with him. So Van Pelt's going to join us a little bit later. We have a big announcement about a new podcast that will be launching here at ESPN. It is called, and this may sound familiar, SVP and Rusillo. Yes, we were bringing back the radio show and we we're doing a podcast version of it. It will not be five days a week. It may not be five days a month. Uh, it's probably going to be even a lot less than that, but we will do a limited version of it because Scott and I want to do something like that. We miss working together and we'd like to get something a little bit more regular than just the sporadic time that we have them on this podcast. So it'll be a separate podcast. So you'll have to subscribe to that one. I'm sure if you subscribe to this one, maybe it'll all work out. I mean, I don't know everybody's trying to figure this whole game out, but uh, I appreciate you subscribing rate and review. We're going to do the same thing with that one. So Scott's going to join us a little bit later on. And we want to use old graphics. I want him to drive. I want him to, well, maybe in the interviews we can tighten up the goodbyes because that used to always drive me crazy on the show. But, yeah, I know, but I'm going to come back to Connecticut, too, for the first one. So I will uh, check out my rental property there. And Scott and I will sit in studio, maybe even a little Stanford Steve and, and hopefully Srudy as well. So there you go. That's awesome. I uh, saw Stan for Steve yesterday, talking about it a little bit. He was calling me out for my uh, Jason Tatum take last week, but now it'll be good to get everybody back together. Van Pelt, I guess he's got some time on his hands now. Three kids isn't enough, so that's good. He's always wanted to do it. I yeah, think I think in he a misses way, it. You know, he felt like, hey, we had a really good radio show, and then the podcast thing was just kind of taking off right around because we were always doing pretty well podcast wise for radio shows. We did better than than any of the other radio shows for the podcast stuff. But back then no one prioritized it or at least, you know, they weren't, they weren't internally because everybody's still looking at kind of radio in some of the more traditional ways. So we're, uh, we're ready to go just before we do too much more though, because I have some NBA stuff that I want to run by Saruti. Weddings have 99 problems, but the groom's look shouldn't be one of them. That's why our friends at theblacktux.com design rental suits and tuxedos that you'll love wearing at your wedding. So if you end up getting featured on a list of 23 epic wedding fails for your reception table catching on fire or your DJ playing, let's get it on. 
during the father-daughter dance, at least you know you'll look good for your close-up. What I really love about Black Tux is they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style to blacktux.com or request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. I told you guys about it. I told the story. Last-minute deal. Had a Wednesday wedding. Rolled in. They took care of it. Fitted me right there. And um, that was it. I mean, it couldn't have gone easier. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding. So, yeah, try not to show up the day before. The two weeks before the wedding or event, you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. They're committed to you looking Good. You know what no one's ever said is that guy looks terrible dressed up. Think about it. You don't hear that a lot. Over 5,000 five-star reviews across Wedding Wire, The Knot, and their website agree. You won't find a rental experience or design like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, rent your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com. And enjoy $20 off with code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's theblacktux.com, code Ryan. For $20 off your purchase, the Black Tux formal wear for the moment. What is the most interesting of all the NBA storylines that we have right now? Because there is so much to put your arms around. I'm going to go through a bunch of it. I don't want to repeat it all with Scott, but I feel like even doing it up and all the stuff, I haven't really got the chance to just stretch the legs on it. The Durant injury... From the beginning, I'm going, okay, not only is this series completely different, not only is everything on the table in the West, but everything's on the table overall. Not that I feel like Golden State. I think we'd all admit this, that even though that's the team I'm picking, picked him in seven, without Durant, I still think two chance with this group. I'm still going to pick Golden State, although I think Houston, with the extra time to game plan defensively, and they change their help rules, and they go, look, we're helping off of everybody and selling out against Clay and Steph. So that leaves open shots for, like, Iguodala, who's the only guy that you're even – I don't even think you're afraid of him. And then you get to help off of Livingston, Looney, Jerebko, and even Draymond, who hit the huge three in Game 5. I think you're still happy with him taking those because they're not going to go down – so from a basketball standpoint, what does Golden State look like? There's the people that still want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Felt like we're hanging out in the New York studios today. More people were saying, oh, look, Houston's going to get get this now. There's no Durant. Okay, that's fine. Does that mean Houston's the overwhelming favorite against a Denver-Portland winner, which feels more like Denver because Denver has just become more stable? It feels like they've grown up overnight with Jamal Murray being this real question mark to now like, man, he's got it going. And Gary Harris's defense that you absolutely need – in this kind of matchup against a great backcourt in Portland and Paul Millsap, who's just beating on people, uh, whatever, whatever lineups that, that Portland wants to throw out there. So the basketball part of this is all in play. And then you may even think like, Hey, is, is Milwaukee or Toronto, or maybe even you haven't given it up on Philadelphia. Are they still teams that you'd look at a little differently going up against Houston than you would Golden State? And I think benefit of the doubt and Golden State's rep would make people be open to that. So maybe a team could win from the East, okay? So as I'm thinking about all the different basketball things that I'm watching, as I'm watching Durant limp off towards the sideline, the the things that I really started thinking about were, would the Knicks still give him the max if it's a torn Achilles? Yes. And if they didn't, does that mean Kyrie now does what? Does Kyrie want to go to New York by himself? Did he want to go with KD? You know, what rumors do you believe? Does it keep Katie in Golden State? 
Does it change who KD is considering he was on a run? I'm not saying he was going to keep this up, but no playoff performer had ever done what he was trying to do, and that's 25 or more a game with 50 from the floor, 40 from three, and 90 from the free throw line. And that's what he had until he walked off the court. So it just felt like this means everything from a basketball standpoint and a July standpoint could possibly change. And now we think it's a calf strain. That's what the team is telling us. They're telling it's not an Achilles. But the calf strain, he's not going to play in game six. I'd be surprised if he plays in well, I don't, you know, look, I don't know. I don't know what it is on a Thursday. But by Sunday, calf strain, even if he is out there and playing, what version do we get? Is he a decoy? I don't know. All of these different things. But that that's the first. Like, as soon as I started thinking about the series, I quickly got to this summer because I can't wait for this summer. Saruti. Any direction you want to go. Yeah, I agree. I think the first thing I started thinking of was how does this, if this is, if he's out for the rest of the year and the Warriors don't win the title, does that mean he comes back? That was the first thing that went through my mind. And I think that would kind of make sense, right? Because like it would show that, that they need him. Um, and then, then there's the, the, the other side of that coin. What if they win the title without him? Can he go back? I mean, is that would he has to leave at that point, right? I, I mean, started feeling a little bit like Steph Curry was Jalen Hurts. Um, not that Jalen Hurts really was Steph, but it was Steph passive and I think deferential in the first quarter. And then, of course, I get all these texts from people being like, oh, hey, your boy, what's going on with your boy? And then second and third quarter, like I was defending him in the first quarter. Like you're, you're clearly not seeing the game the way I'm seeing it, what Houston's doing to Steph, how much they're selling out against him, and how Steph is just taking it and letting the other guys get involved. And then he just flat out stunk the second and third quarter. The layups, I can't figure it out. And you can't blame a dislocated finger on his alignment hand. You just can't, especially with him when he turns it on in the fourth quarter. And we saw an entirely different Steph who was going, all right, well, I've got to attack. I've got to be decisive. I have to have a plan every time I have the ball and I've got to go. Instead of, well, I can just kind of curl and if I'm not really open or if I don't want to take a bad three just because I know I can probably hit it, but it's still a bad three. Between Steph and Clay, there's there's still too many shots. As great as they are, there's too many shots where they're shooting where they're not ready to shoot. And say what you want about – it seems like people really don't like Dan Dockich. I like him, even though his argument about Porzingis is absurd. He needs to stop. <laughs> He's but claiming W's on that. He's, deal, he's claiming a win on, on he, Porzingis, calling Porzingis yeah, a boss. He came on. He came on Will's show. Was that yesterday, two days ago, and proclaimed that that was a W because the Knicks were constantly in the lottery. He he said he was right about Chris Paul being a fraud. He was right about uh, Paul George being a fraud. Um, he was just he was just taking W's everywhere. He just he's right. He he printed up his own W's and then started showing them off to everybody. So I, I'm not saying he's wrong about the Paul George stuff because a lot of stuff he said about George's personality uh, is fine. Ripping Chris Paul now retroactively because he's not the same player. At times, I thought he was going to be the same player, but that's the other funny thing is because Harden, you know, has this bad fourth quarter, and then it turned into wait a minute, is it Chris Paul's fault the whole time? Because Golden State did do some really good defensive stuff against Harden, but you realize the only shot Harden took was with 18 seconds left in the game when Golden State just didn't want him to take a three and gave him a layup. So that would have meant for the last 708 that Harden was in the game, he would have had zero field goal attempts, zero. That seems low to me. All right, so back to the Dockage thing on the shooters. It's a really simple line. And, I mean, the guy was a really good you – know, like Dockage played. He played in Indiana, you know. I mean, he, he Jordan understands. Stopper. What's that? Jordan Stopper. Jordan Stopper. He uh, he says a really simple rule. It, don't shoot unless you're ready. 
Don't shoot in your unless you're ready. And in the regular season, when it's the Splash Brothers and it's insane because of some of the shots that they make, it's not even that. Like some of the ones they take, and it's changed the way the game is played because there's just a ton of people where I go, that's actually still a terrible shot. Like I know everybody wants to shoot threes, but when you catch it on your hip and your body's not even turned and you're kind of falling out of bounds, like you don't really want to take that. And because those guys can make it, they'll do it. But in the playoffs where it feels like every position matters a little bit more, I'm still surprised how often they take uh, some of those shots where they're not ready. And if there's one thing we've learned about Golden State, they're the dumbest smart team I've ever watched. They're unbelievable how how dumb they can be. Their turnovers are throw-up inducing at times. We're like, what are you doing? Like, they rolled it out of bounds on a big possession <laughs> late in game five. They just rolled it out of bounds. You're like, do you, have you guys not figured out the part where you're supposed to pay attention? Like, I, I honestly think Steph, Clay, and Draymond, or even Iggy at times, throw Duran in there. I've never seen a team pay less attention to each other in transition as much as they do. And then the clay play at the end where he just freaked and throws it out of bounds, and it looked like he did step out maybe before he got rid of the basketball, and then there could have been a foul on Eric Gordon. I look forward to 2020 when the Rockets send out a 500-page dossier on how they got screwed in Game 5 and just (laughs) assume all sorts of results and money that they lost. That's a joke. But here we are. Here we are. They're up 3-2, and you want to give Harden a pass for Game 5? Okay, go ahead. But if he doesn't win this series, if he doesn't get past these guys this time, now if he has great games and everybody else lets him down and Eric Gordon doesn't hit shots and P.J. doesn't hit shots and maybe Steph goes off or Clay goes off in one of these, you know that's okay. Like I can handle guys having great games and losing, but if he has a bad game and they don't get past this after spending a year complaining about their rings being on the Warriors' fingers – like Harden's never had more pressure on him in his entire career, so we'll see what happens. I'm just, can I just say that as a, a selfishly, I, you know, obviously would never wish injury on anybody, but I'm really pumped to see what the Warriors look like in these next two games, if there are next two more games, like obviously with the Rockets, because I I'm so pumped that we could potentially get to see you know flamethrower Clay being back, because that is the most. Fun. I think they're at their most fun when those guys, like you're right, they they kind of throw the ball around, they have a ton of turnovers, but that's kind of when they're the most fun, and that's when they're. The, I feel like they've when always they're hitting been that shots way. that yeah. way. They've always turned it over. I mean, you know, Steph didn't learn his lesson by throwing the ball out of bounds around his back in Game Seven, one of the last few possessions. Where if one of those possessions goes the other way, we're talking about a team maybe going for five straight titles. Then he's never going to learn. And he is a smart player. He's smart when he understands defensive principles. When he first started coming up in the league, the way he would read stuff, the way he'd get into passing lanes, all sorts of stuff. I'm like, my gosh, like I knew Steph was good, but he has one of the best handles. He's the best shooter, and he's incredibly smart. But they are, I don't know. I don't know if that's part of their makeup. I don't know that their ability to not feel the pressure of the moment and tighten it up a little bit is what makes them good, that they're still loose. But damn, they're loose sometimes. And then you got the Draymond thing where clearly – does the knee down on Chris Paul in a huge, huge spot. Gives him the free throw. He's already got five, but he's never going to stop. It's like asking Ben Simmons to shoot. He's never going to figure that out. Ben Simmons is never going to be a shooter you care about. And Draymond is never going to think that the moment is maybe the time that he shouldn't act out. And he could be he could be hit up with two technicals every single game if you really watch him. So for all the stuff that he feels like, oh, it's my rep and it's all this stuff, it's like, dude – if you were actually, if it wasn't for your rep, like they're doing you a favor by not tossing you out of these games. So 
That's what we have there. I feel like there was one other part of this that I wanted to get to. Oh, just a little bit on super teams in general. Miami's success and then Golden State's run has clouded how we look at, and I don't like, you know, we just keep throwing these team turns around. Like we, we watered down the term, the big three to the point where people actually stopped using it. And now it's super team. But there's a real basketball part that seems to get lost in the construction of a super team because it's such an arms race. And I think the Warriors were a big reason why there was this arm race where you just go, I need to figure out how to get more scores out there to even keep up with this. And that's the way that I've always kind of looked at playoff teams. Like I like Utah, but they need a really good second score. It's just not going to, nothing's going to happen with that Utah team with just Donovan Mitchell, unless they found a way, like even with Harden, at least you know Paul can find a way to create something if something's falling apart, even though it didn't look good in game five and in Eric Gordon's, He'll have his hot stretches, his cold stretches, but you know things break down. Like Eric Gordon can get you a bucket. And like Utah, I don't really think there's anybody other than, than Mitchell. I think, I think this has been covered. But Golden State, we should never look at that and say, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's the kind of super team. You have three deferring personalities driven then by your fighter every night in Draymond Green. And that's why Draymond, for all of his basketball skills and stuff that frustrates me about him, if he were also passive, I don't know that you'd have the right chemistry of, of attitudes on a basketball team. And with Miami working out the way it is, that I think in the last 10 years we've gone, all right, well, how do I construct my super team? How do I figure that out? Whereas you looked at Boston and you go, oh, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. I thought it was going to work. I could conceptualize the way it was going to work. But you know what? It's just not going to work. So just because I put a bunch of good players together, and that's why I can't wait for this next run of player movement, which I think is going to be unprecedented, of guys going to places and then us just falling in love with all of the names. And it was that Lakers-Dwight-Kobe team to a degree, like we fell for that. But there's been this, I don't know if analytics are blamed for it, because I don't think analytics can necessarily quantify, like, how is this guy going to you know, vibe with this dude and what does it mean when we add this third piece in there? Like, think about Sam Presti, one of the smarter GMs in the league. He added Carmelo Anthony to that group once he had traded for Paul George. He added Melo to it. I give Zach Lowe a lot of credit, by the way. Zach was like, you know, I think I liked the Thunder more before they added Melo. But then, remember, that GM poll, they voted in an offseason where the Celtics added Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, they voted that the Thunder had the best offseason. And then Mello's free in Houston. Daryl Morey, another great GM, brought in Mello. And he want, And then as soon as he got there, dudes were like, whoa, this guy's not exactly interested in kind of fitting into the entire concept. So when I look at smart teams just going, well, let me just add this other piece and see how this whole thing works. We've maybe gotten in this dangerous area with these these names where we've forgotten at the core of, of what basketball really is, and that isn't just the talent. You've got to be really talented, okay? You've got to have a couple of these guys. But it's not automatic that just because two guys are all-stars that it's all going to fit. And Miami and Golden State have spoiled us. The Celtics. Yikes. Dude, that was so bad. I uh, have stated many times, I feel like this is a one of my all-time wins on this. 
my position on the Celtics and then what ended up happening here. Do you think that's a fair win? Like we assess the L's, but I really feel like I deserve credit for the W on the season long doubt and apprehension about the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I'm because entr- I heard you, you know, this morning and all the on get up on first take and all that stuff talking about because everyone it makes this into a Brad Stevens versus Kyrie thing. And I just don't know how you can like, I don't know how you can say, no, Kyrie was fine. It, it wasn't his fault. I don't know if anybody really believes that. You know what I mean? Like, does anybody really believe that Kyrie's blameless? I, I feel like that's a product. I think people of the- want to make it into Brad Stevens didn't make these pieces work together. Oh, well, I, I'm sure that some people want to do that. And I, I think there are, there's a real backlash after Brad Stevens run last year and all the love that he was getting. And now it does feel like it's excessive. Like people were doing the, how many players would you take before you took Brad Stevens? If you're redrafting all the coaches and the players, how many players would you take before you'd want Brad Stevens to be running your organization? And when Brad Stevens starts floating around like number five or number six, that seems really stupid a year later. And I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> yeah. Because I got involved in some of those conversations, but I'd always be like, you know, this, this league really isn't about the coach that much. Like Giannis has improved. But Giannis was still going to be pretty good. So is it all Budenholzer? Yeah, I think it's some of the system. But I don't think Giannis was going to suck without him. He wasn't. I mean, we already started seeing this last year. You know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they were going to be good no matter what. Did Kerr unlock them a little bit more? There's definitely stuff he's done that's better. I mean, Draymond was laughing the other day. He goes, man, when Mark Jackson had me, he had me as a small forward shooting threes, spacing out. He goes, I would have been out of the league in two years if I kept doing that, Um, which I thought was a great quote. So when I look at the blame part of this, a lot of that's TV driven. It just is TV or radio. So when I did go on first take and I had been watching first take when I was out on the West Coast earlier this week and I was a little surprised that Stephen A was going Danny Ainge, Brad Stephen, Gordon Hayward. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, <laughs> did you leave out Mike Gorman? Like, I don't, I was like, how did you come up with those three names? And I was watching sort of in and out as I was, you know, in and out of the house or doing stuff. So I may not have caught the full thing. So when I went on first take, and the first take segment went very poorly. I'll just say that right now. It didn't go well. And he had qualified it as like, no, I'm blaming Ainge for having input with Stevens for those guys going with Gordon Hayward. And my counter to that was, first of all, it's Kyrie before anything else. Anybody that knows anything about that team, Kyrie Kyrie is this up and down guy that wanted he the, the worst the worst thing than like being incapable of being a leader is seeking leadership. Like there are guys that know they're not leaders, therefore will not become leaders. What's worse than that is somebody that's incapable of being a leader but seeks leadership. It's it's the bad combo, even worse. And that's what Kyrie wanted. That's what Kyrie got, and he was incapable of doing it. And I'm not saying he's a bad player, but this whole thing was such a disaster. It was so unlikable. And I know what the stats said. I know how the green teamers out there were telling me they were turning this thing around. And they want to tell me the Pacers series meant something. And I go, man, they smoked him. But did you watch that Pacers team? Like, they're a borderline playoff team. It's why I left the Celtics off of my thing. I think in March when I go, you know, it's three teams in the East. It's Philly, it's Toronto, and Milwaukee. And I still think Toronto might be the best team in the East. But this was so non-competitive from an emotional standpoint that we can all – like, Brad Stevens is a really good coach who had a bad year. Was it all on him? No. Like, none of this stuff is one person's fault. As much as I think it's Kyrie, it's not just him. I don't think it's Ainge. 
Ainge put together this roster. Nobody was complaining about it. There's no trade to make at the All Star break because, or the trade deadline because you know why? There wasn't. Feel free to hit me up at Ryan Abrasillo. Tell me the trades that they could have made that would have fixed all of this stuff. Well, I can save you the time. There wasn't. And knowing even more so that they wanted to keep all of their pieces in place for potentially going after Anthony Davis. So they weren't going to trade a Tatum or a Brown or something else and try to fix this thing on the fly, knowing they're going to miss out on a much bigger fish that they still might miss out on this summer. So if you're giving me the Ainge blame, I'm, I'm shaking my head. If you're giving me the Stevens thing and then saying, hey, he blamed himself afterwards. First of all, what the hell is the coach going to say? Imagine if Brad Stevens got up there and was like, well, I did my job. So, you know, <laughs> talk to the players. It's always going to be more about the players. There can be bad coaches that hold guys back, good coaches that advance this whole thing. Clearly Popovich has done that with all of these players that you go, who's their backcourt in San Antonio now? Like, oh my gosh, and they're in the playoffs again, this whole thing. But I think that's for TV. Like, is everybody going after Kyrie? All right, well, I'm going to be the guy that does this. Um, is everybody going after, you know, and it's not even just by Kyrie alone. The young guys are probably immature. I think that Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 appearance messed up Boston. But it's also turned into this thing where people are like, well, look what they did last year and look where they are this year. Are we really that simple? Because we shouldn't be. Because the East is a lot better. Toronto, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, all better teams than they were just a year ago. So not getting the Eastern Conference Finals, it's just it's just harder. But it was a delusional team that had this sense of entitlement all season long that kept telling you about this switch they were going to turn on. But here's the problem. Ray Allen was on with us on Get Up. And he goes, you know, in 2010, we'd won the title in eight. We'd lost in the playoffs in 2009 because KG was hurt. In 2010, you know, we lose that close game. And this is Ray talking. Lose that close game there against the Lakers at the end. And uh, he goes, but we had we just figured, you know, because we were done in the past. But like, well, no kidding, because you had actually won a title. And in 2009, that was the best version of that team, except KG was hurt. Again, that's Tibbs' quote, not mine. So in 2010, when you weren't as good, you had something that you collectively had built on and could look back on. That's why you believed in yourselves. Why did this group believe in themselves? What had they done? What had they done? Get to Game 7 in a terrible Eastern Conference? Not once? I mean, I know Kyrie hit a pretty big shot there three years ago, but it wasn't with this group. So it's a group that once Hayward and Kyrie were back in the mix with these younger guys in a much more competitive East, you don't just get to hang out all season, have infighting. Everybody know that it's sort of an emotional roller coaster that's more of a bad time than a good time. The analytics were off on this team. They just were. There were so many numbers that would tell you, actually, they're pretty good here. And look at that. If you just looked at some of the raw efficiency stuff and looked at how great Kyrie's individual season was statistically, you'd be like, man, this team's cruising. And they just, you could tell there was something off and they quit. And they quit in the playoffs. I would love to have known what it was like in halftime there. Do they go, all right, we got 24 more minutes. Show some pride or take a ton of ISO shots and pretty much mail it in for the second half. I don't know what's going on in Kyrie's head. I would think he was gone a couple weeks ago. I think Boston still felt like they wanted to resign him. They wanted to keep the asset because that's always the default thing that I come up with is that you know, you just don't want to let somebody walk like that. But would Kyrie go, all right, well, they're going to resign me to hope to trade me in a year or two? Um, I can't figure out Kyrie. But he does an incredibly good job at at selling out his teammates both in a very obvious way and in a way where he thinks he's including himself in the blame, but he isn't. He distanced himself from this team, pisses all those guys off, 
and I think they were all jealous of each other at some degree. And I'm so glad it's over because I I know you guys accuse me of being a fan all the time. I just still like watching the games. I like talking about the Celtics with my dad, but I hated watching that this year. It was little flashes of excitement with just malaise. The Durant thing is funny though, Sarudi, because I did hear that recently. Like, well, you know, it's not a slam dunk that Kyrie wants to go with KD now because if he goes there, he's going to have to be you know, kind of the Robin again, like he was with LeBron. And you just think like, okay, so wait a minute, what is it? What is it? Do you want to be with LeBron again? Because people are starting to really think that there's a chance that if the Lakers can't trade for Anthony Davis, and I think it's less likely than it is likely that the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis for a million reasons. If the Lakers can't get Kawhi, good luck figuring that one out. I think Jimmy Butler's in play there for the Lakers. But if Kyrie decides, all right, I don't want to go back to Boston or Durant were to stay or Durant goes to the Knicks, but I actually don't want to go do that. I actually would kind of root for Kyrie to go to the Nets because it would just be a lesser talented version of Boston. And he would probably not get along with all of those young guys too. Oh, I, I feel like it'd be the same fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but, there's no way. I mean, I guess there's, you should never say there's no way, but how could he go back to Boston at this point? Like, don't, I mean, I would imagine. You know, those relationships with his teammates can't be fixed. And then the fans probably hate him and blame him for this entire year now, right? There's, so there's, can he even come back? Nothing's impossible. I mean, fans, as anti as they are against him, you, I know exactly what would happen. Let's say, theoretically, he decides, you know, the Knicks thing's a mess. The ownership there is terrible. I'll gonna, I mean, I just, I would have a hard time trusting him. Like, if you had a, a, like they need to live stream Kyrie's exit interview. I would pay fifty nine ninety five for that. Yep. Put that on ESPN Plus. I would find it fascinating. You know, we, I've already made a few jokes about it. Be like, okay, well, you know, what do you think you did with the team this year? Like, how do how do you feel about your role? Well, you know, roles are ever expanding. What? Okay, uh, you know, the playoffs. You know, it didn't seem. Didn't seem like you know you were locked in. Well, time's a moving object. I'm like, all right, <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what, Kyrie? We're just going to give you a duffel bag with some some sweatpants in there and a toothbrush, and um, there's your Celtics gear. Uh, but back to your original question, Rudy. I do think I just I've, I've been a fan. I've known. I've just if he were to resign, then it would turn into George. You know what? I can, look, I think he gets the city now. I think he's, you know, another year in Steven's system. Everybody's sort of feeling each other out a bit there. Dude, I love it. I'm all, I'm, I'm friggin' back in. Sign me up. Employee number 11. That's exactly what would happen. Cause part of the angst of being so upset with him is that everybody thinks he's leaving. If he had three more years on his deal, as bad as this ending was, the booze wouldn't be as personal or as emotional. So. Yeah, you're selling yourself on the future of like, hey, you know, they'll rebuild. Like this was the this was the test year. Like they figured each other out. You know, full season. Hayward's healthy again. But here's inter- an interesting question. That Maybe I have like too. a three guy rotation. Smart <laughs> Rogiers. Well, Rogier, and- Rogier. I mean, God, I don't know if I respect or hate. Like he thinks, like he thinks he's the one that got screwed in all this. And yeah, he, I'm not saying he didn't get screwed, but like he, you know, yeah, but you get screwed by let's be by honest, losing out to Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like let's be honest here. Uh, so I think I think Tatum and Kyrie may need to be split up, and you know when Tatum's saying in the middle of the season like I'd be good with going to New Orleans, there's something to that, and I don't think it's the gumbo. 
So, I mean, they, do they still, because that's the interesting thing too, is do they still have the best package for, for AD? The picks ended up not landing nearly close to what, you know, the optimal thing for Boston would have been. Uh, I did mention that the guards were a lot better for the Nuggets, so I think I covered that. <laughs> uh, but, and this is part of the radio thing, and, and I'm guilty of this at times too, but I don't remember a time ever when we talked about that neighborhood of players, where if you live in that top 10 of players, we do this thing now where if you have a good game, like there are nights where I think Durant looks like the best player in the league. Kawhi looks like the best player in the league. Giannis certainly has looked like the best player in the league. You have to include Harden in this. And I would say even Embiid. Trying to think if I've left out anyone through this playoff run where you could make an argument like, is that guy the best player in the league? Like, look at Jokic. He has been incredible. Lillard, too, but not shooting wise against Denver in this series, but, you know, the shot and they beat an OKC team that had swept them in the regular season. They lose Nurkic and you go, okay, do they really have enough? And you're like, that's right. I still can't trust Oklahoma City. We have a handful of guys that on any given night during the playoffs look like they may be the best player in the world. And Durant, Steady, Durant, uh, Durant, Kawhi, and, and Giannis, you put in a steady group, maybe even Jokic, seriously, but I don't, I don't think anybody's going, hey, is Jokic actually the best player in the league? But then when they have that bad game, it's, yeah, what do you do with Embiid? You know, the same thing that's been happening to Curry for a while, where I just, I want to get to a point where I go, you know, Harden has baggage he needs to clear from his playoff resume. And the only way that's going to happen is with the title. Steph has the titles. And he's got a little after title baggage, but some of it's a little overstated. And then there's like game three where it's just the worst game I think I've ever seen him play in a playoff game. So, you know, there's no, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's the finger because he's not going to finish shots like he did in game five. Like, why are you missing layups if you're hitting these amazing shots and look crisp? So it can't, I'm not going to make an excuse for him with the finger thing because I think that's lame. But it feels like a day to day re ranking of all of these guys. And the only time I ever feel like I kind of do a a shrug where I go, I don't know, there might be a real problem there, is after a Westbrook when it's three straight years in the playoffs, more specifically the last two, where you go, this is just further proof that this doesn't work. Where in Embiid, I go, it's frustrating, I get it, but you want to start writing these guys off and dropping them five spots like it's the college football polls, that seems to be way more than we ever did it before every 24 hours. Well, can you imagine if, I mean, I I think, you know, Durant's injury really makes this kind of interesting because what happens if Kawhi or Giannis go on and win the title this year? Like, they're going to be the best player in the league going into next year, no? Yeah, I think that's just kind of what we'll do. Yeah, that's fair or not fair, but that's what the the public perception is going to be. I'm surprised how many people seem to have just forgotten how sick Kawhi was especially the rematch in the finals against Miami. He was insane. So to see him play like this, I'm not like, oh, hey, this is what, you know, this guy's taking it to another level. Um, oh, I, I think this is kind of who this guy is when he's right and everything's rolling. You know, G- Giannis, who I wanted to go hard G there, he clearly is at another level than than what we've seen before. So, Okay, let's get Van Pelton here. Before we do that, though, for a few weeks now, I've been reminding you that Mother's Day is fast approaching. Now it's just days away, so 1-800-Flowers is here to help you pick out 
a gorgeous bouquet that will show her she's loved. 1-800-Flowers has amazing offers on beautiful Mother's Day bouquets and arrangements starting at $29.99. You know, the best thing about moms is there's a ton of them. So even if you're thinking, I want a gift for my mom, but I also want a gift for my girl's mom, right? There you go. Like, hey, who's this guy? Started dating him a month ago. He sent my mom flowers. Just stop limiting. Just there's more than one mom out there. Don't limit yourself here. Think of all the different angles with just some flowers here from 1-800-Flowers by thinking about the different people you can just put a smile on their face. With an amazing selection of sweets, treats, and bouquets, 1-800-Flowers has everything you need for Mother's Day, and she'll never guess how great of a last-minute deal you scored because Mother's Day bouquets and arrangements starting at $29.99 is an amazing offer, but you've got to do this today. Make sure you lock in this offer. Only good while supplies last. After you've chosen your gorgeous bouquet or arrangement, simply pick your delivery date and let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. Trust 1-800-Flowers to make mom feel loved. Order today from 1-800-Flowers.com to order beautiful and vibrant Mother's Day bouquets starting at $29.99. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash Ryan. That's R-Y-E-N. Order today and save 1-800-Flowers.com slash Ryan. We have uh, our announcement here, and uh, joining me, it is Scott Van Pelt from Sports Center. So we're going to do this, huh? Yeah, well, what's this? Tell people what this is. Well, I'm just building. Uh, we are going to drop a new podcast. It's going to be called SVP and Rosillo, which was a name of a radio show you may have heard of. It was, and it was kind of a popular one. People kind of liked it. People liked it. And this is going to be a lot of fun. And it looks like at least once a month, I'm going to fly back to Connecticut for the first one. Uh, I announced it a little bit earlier in the podcast, so I'm, I'm kind of deferring to you on this one a little bit more. But I'm, I'm excited. I know people are really excited about it. I kind of been, you know, a little cryptic tweet there every now and then. I'm a big hype guy. You know that. Yep. Yep. I enjoy it. And I, and, uh, I just enjoyed the fact that eventually you got to dust off the, uh, the Blackhawks jersey. That was a good time. Elgin, right? Back in the day. Yeah, I, that remote was not the Elgin remote when they brought us the jerseys. I oh, I know, right. But it was – shout out to the Blackhawks, by the way, because then they did send another one with the correct spelling of my name the on it. The correct allocation of S's and L's. <laughs> and, hey, look, it was really – that's a sick jersey. And then they sent the second one that you got, and that was really cool. And then my sister stole it. So I actually have the misspelling Rosillo Blackhawks jersey, and that's the real collector's item. I was going to say that's the iconic one that someday will fetch a handsome sum on on eBay. But, but just here's the thing. You and I were really lucky to do something that I think we both love. And you and I have also been lucky to be able to do things separately that I think we both love and things work out okay. But you and I also would end up on the phone and have half-hour conversations that at the end of them we'd laugh and say, well, that could be a podcast, so why don't we just do this? And why don't we just give people what they want? And the funny thing, I was talking to Sir Rudy, a.k.a. Sir Rudy, before we started, and I don't know if people are going to be psyched that, okay, cool, this is sort of back, or if they're going to be pissed because maybe they thought this meant we are going to be doing three hours a day on the radio every day. Yeah, because there were some people that thought that, and you go, eh, I don't, I think those spots are taken up. So <laughs> seems like it. I don't yeah. know where we where we'd fit in. I don't think there's no spot. No, in no there's no spot. Up. There's no spot. So I'm I'm not uh, not worried about that. I'm not even sure. I don't know if I. I mean, do you miss doing five days on radio? No, no. 
See, that's a, no. There day, there's definitely days that I think, man, if if Rasul and I had a lot of time today or had those three hours today, we could really put some together. But then there's many days where you're glad you don't have to. All right, what are we doing at two? Is two ten? Is two ten? Is that? Is that who's a jerk? Is that seven seconds? Is that headlines? Although that's been re that's been repurposed on another show I saw Monday's headlines today. That's like a everybody stole Monday's up. headlines. That's the are they? Yeah, that's so stolen that I'm second guessing whether or not I I stole it from somebody else. I was never a big stealer. If I thought something even was close after the fact, then I wouldn't even want to do it. And nope. I would never I would never listen to somebody else's segment. And go, oh, I want to do that segment now. Who cares? Screw them. But because kids are such thieves now on social media and who did this and this stolen thing that everybody just steals everything now. Monday's headlines, it's hysterical how often I'll be in the car and it's just, okay, we're going to do this. It's uh, guessing Monday's headlines. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like mm. I, I got kind of bored of it at the end. Yeah. So, Although that was when you did the best ones. When you'd be scribbling them furiously in a break, that's when we got the, the, the absolute gold of Rosillo. Uh, anyway – do I miss it every day? No, but I definitely miss the the idea that you and I get an opportunity to sit down and do this, just to, to talk about what's going on, things that are interesting to us, story time, whatever it might be. I absolutely miss that. So this is sort of the perfect umbrella for it to fall under. And just thinking out loud, so let's say we have we, we know we're going to do it monthly, but then w- when football comes around, I, I don't, I don't want to you know, start filling up your dance card and speaking for you here. But my guess would be like, it's not like once a month it's going to suffice then, is it? I wouldn't think so. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't think either. so. Because, I mean, that's really when we're at our peak is those, I'm by myself. I'm like, please, I hope Scott answers. I just need to, <laughs> I need to, I need to kick some thoughts around to somebody for the next 30 minutes. And then, and well, then here we go, right here. Now, right. We, now we have a vehicle. Now we have a vehicle for just that. Then I'll get a text and be like, can't right now. I have a family. And then I'll go, yeah, don't, please don't bother. Cause I didn't really have a ton to say. I'm just, I think there's this corner from Georgia that's pretty good. And like, do you think, do you think Georgia's corners get enough credit? Cause I feel like every year I always kind of like their corners. I know everybody talks about LSU and I get it. It's the brand name stuff. Um, so yeah, that'll be tackle and then he ended up in the second round, stuff like that. I guess. Yeah, right. Like if we, We'd call each other later and be like, wasn't it you that liked that safety from A&M? Guess who Mel has on his big board? So Boom. that's uh, that's what you can expect. <laughs> remember there you when, go. Remember you when <laughs> we were first? Yeah, now I'm starting to think it's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember one of the first few shows that we did because you were a big recruiting nerd because you wanted to see all the players that Maryland wasn't going to get in football. And right. you – started doing like a recruiting thing and then I go, oh yeah, but that's whatever. And then I named like the fourth running back on a, a college team's depth chart and we we're just whipping it out being like, hey world, listen to us. We're so mm-hmm. smart. This show, yep. we're, we're so yep. locked in and then they had a meeting with us and they go, hey, no one knows what the hell you guys are talking about. Like literally no one. So can you stop doing it? And we thought that was the thing that was always funny in the beginning because ultimately that ends up being right. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And here's the here's the beauty, and this is this is the fun this is the fun part is we're thankful that they're going to let us do it, but it also just allows us to kind of just nod at everybody that, that told us the stuff that we did wasn't right, that we were right, and we always knew we were. So this is sort of our parade to them. To be like, yes, we'll do it. You're welcome. Um, is that how you see it? No. Yeah, kind of. 
I want to. I, I want to let. The, I just want to let. I just always want to let the suits know that they were wrong. And you know, some of the, the people, when I say the suits, some of those people aren't in those jobs anymore anyway. And the people that are, we like. So they're letting us do this again. I just, I just. I, there's always going to be a little bit of a little part of me that's going to be bitter that people didn't get that you and I were sort of were sort of, uh, you know, ahead of our time, like Steely Dan. <laughs> 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 I, don't, I, don't know what that means. I don't know what that means and i think it may be a horrible example of trying to think of something that was ahead of its time because yeah but it made you laugh that's what i was going no, for no, was a giggle it, it but, did it really did dude, oh my egg, god we'll get back to you i'm trying to remember the guy's name but i can't remember i just know chase the dragon that was an analogy about drug use i don't know i'm just gonna stop talking about steely dan i'm glad that we can do this i i, I am because um, it means that you can tell me why Chris Paul just stopped being good at basketball for Boston and decided he didn't want to do it, stuff like that. Yeah, as far as the bitterness, I got to replace that bitterness with other business. I updated my bitterness. So where what what's the bitterness hierarchy? That let's do that. What's that? What's the what's what's uh, Rosillo's hierarchy of bitterness? What the hell with it. Let's just steal everything. Rank stuff. What's number one on your bitter list right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm less bitter. I actually am less bitter. I just am love that in in general. I was. Uh, we can see the ocean. Yeah, I can see the ocean. So when you can see the ocean, I don't know what the science is behind that. I'll ask Kyrie Irving about that. But like, well, <laughs> you know, whenever you're talking about a sodium chloride, you have to understand that. Like, what? Uh what is on your mind though? Because we didn't really prep for this. I just ran through and did a ton of NBA things. What about Tiger? Have you been? Are you guys friends again? Mm, yeah, sort of. I mean, and, and the, the thing that was the thing that's that I and he's alluded to it publicly, so I don't feel like I'm you know, selling a secrets here. Like he just he said, like I can't believe this happened. I mean, that to me is the coolest part of what happened in Augusta was that he, like, he's the guy that did it. And after the fact, it's like I can't believe that I won the Masters. Like that happened, and that was me. It's nuts. And that was a topic, obviously, during the time that we did radio, before, during, and after. And it, I, I, I mean, I tweeted something out about it. That, that, that having been there for a lot of years, I've never heard that place sound like that, ever, ever. And I think that the way it was consumed by the public, the way you know he got to share that with his family, uh, was was nuts. And like now it's like, Oh, is he going to get Jack? Like, I really, really truly believe now that if nothing else ever happened, if he never won again. He'd be able to go. Yeah. But I won in 2019 at Augusta. So I thought he can kiss my butt. He did it. It was, it was nuts. I don't think I really understood the magnitude of, I understand all the, the surgeries, you know, the injury and everything, but when he was telling us, Hey, I've never felt better. We'd hear about that great practice round. And he just, he played a lot better in 2018 than I think people maybe realized. Like when he won the Masters, like you know, he was actually it looked like it was maybe turning around here in 18. But was he ever resigned? I don't know how open he's been about this publicly, so I don't want you to share anything that. Well, or you could mm-hmm. you could save it for the book. <laughs> Did he think he was maybe more done than he let on? I think for sure. I, I don't think you had to read through the lines. You didn't have to do much reading between the lines in the book he wrote about winning the Masters, the, the, the 20 years later Masters book, to, to see that that was basically his goodbye. And, I mean, I remember 
when I, I did the audio for it, no big deal. Just Tiger asked me to do the audio for the 20 year book. That's, you know, what we do. Um, reading it out loud, I'm like, wow, he's saying goodbye. Like, he's saying, if I never win again, I, I did everything I could. That's what he said without saying it. And so that was at a time before his back was fused and his back hurt. He couldn't walk around like he couldn't live day to day like a human. So at that point, I think he was absolutely resigned to it's been a hell of a run. My kids aren't going to have to worry about much. And, you know, this sucks. But and then he got this second lease on on golfing life and and was able to do things he didn't know he'd be able to do. So. You know, I absolutely believe that in his mind, he was, he had mentally moved past thinking he could compete. And then when it was like, oh, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. And then suddenly, you know, you find that deer again. We're like, no, I can compete. And then like you point out, and you're right, last year, he finished sixth in the open and second at the PGA. He was a shot off Kepka. And then, so the next major he wins. Well, that's, that, that fits the profile, right? Like what he was doing on the golf course last year fit the profile of a guy who could win. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it was just insane, man. Like I, I, it, I, I'll never be able to adequately explain like what the scene was at Augusta because, you know, we can talk patrons and, you know, polite applause as opposed to screaming mashed potatoes and this, that it's always, there's roars at Augusta. I mean, they've talked about it for years, the roars around the pines at Augusta, but Sunday when he won was just different and chanting the guy's name is something I'll never forget. And when Nance, Nance, who's been going there since 86, when he says it's the best event I've ever covered, then I feel less like an idiot for, for saying, yeah, it's right there with anything I've ever seen. Does Nance turn it off? There's no off button there, is there? No. No, no. Nance is always Nance. But he's always sincere. But he's that guy. He's sincerely that guy. He, there's a warmth that, that's real and sincere. But I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I... I, I, I mean, we, we have our Ryan and Scott that are on the air, and then we have us off the air where we just have to try, you know, not to cuss as much, I suppose. But there's a, there's a sincerity in whatever you see him, and it's, he's always kind. And I remember, I remember seeing him once before I was going to get ready to call the U.S. Open for the first time. And, I, you know, you just say, hey, I just hope I don't screw it up. And he said, Scotty, you were born to do it. And you're like, yeah, you're asking me born to do it. So, you know. I got born to do it from Nance. And I'm like, well, all right, then I, I guess I better go out there and do it. But I mean, like, that's just who he is. He's, he's, he doesn't have to remember his lines because he's always not in character. He's just always your man. I just can't imagine what he was like when he was young or if he was in college. Like, you know, he comes by the dorm and goes, could I trouble anyone for a pinch of wintergreen? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> like, what was right. as, what was he saying? Yeah. Who's got a dip? Any of you idiots got a dip? Yeah, I don't think I don't know that that's ever been. I don't know that's ever come out. Right, well, maybe it did, but it came out the way you said. Yeah, like I don't know about you. Who's got that, any of that delightful snuff? Any, any snooze? Anyone got some snooze? <laughs> Have you guys seen the girls on Thompson Fifth? Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> who's all right? Who's the least like on air that they are on air? Um, in all of television? Yeah, just whoever comes to mind. You're on the Budweiser like, hot seat right now, pal. We're bringing yeah, that back Yeah, I was going to say, what are we doing? I thought this was just a, this is actually, this, this would be a good segment. Who's the least like they are on television? Because it seems um, like an insult, but maybe it's a compliment. 
Mm. True. Maybe somebody's got just a, maybe they're maybe they're they've got a gear you don't know they had or whatever. I don't. I think I think now I think everyone's kind of just boring now because everyone's terrified of being that guy that gets got. You know, you go out in public and you just you know unbutton that third button and start really stepping out in the dance floor and let it go. And you're like, all of a sudden you're on, you know, you're on TMZ. No one needs that in their life. That's what I hear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. Are you, are you really teeing this up? We'll do that. We'll do that story. We'll do that story on one of the pods. We'll make that a fall pod. Make that a fall. Can't wait. Can't wait. Just do the full blown. Well, this is what happened. Um, but I'll do it. I'll do it with you because a couple of people asked me to come on and be like, "Hey, do you want to do it?" Like, do you think I'm giving you that story on your podcast? Because that's a no. I'll be. I'm no, saving that's that. Proprietary one. information. Yeah. Proprietary. That's IP right there, kids. Um, what else is on your mind? I was hosting a television show last night I that watched. I knew no that I knew no one was watching, which is always an odd thing. And I mean, I said as much on Tuesday night when we said goodbye. I said, "Hey, we're on tomorrow at midnight. You're going to be watching Golden State and Houston." I understand. If I if I weren't hosting the show, I would be watching the game too. You're a sports fan, so there's that odd thing where you're doing your job and you're trying to do your job the best you can, understanding that not one human's watching. And so I was trying to figure out why Harden never shot at the end of the game, and I was wondering if you could help me understand that. Okay, so I noticed it while it was happening, and I was in my hotel room, realizing like I'm on two hours of sleep because the games are on. Obviously, late on the East Coast, and then the call time here for get up is pretty early. So I also knew I was going to fall asleep because I'm on West Coast time. Okay, so that's not answering the question. But as I'm watching, I go, hey, pay attention here. Pay attention. So Harden reentered at 7.08, took one shot. The only shot he took was with 18 seconds left to layup that he gave him. We had Greenberg on, not Mike, Seth, on get up this morning, and he was, he was anti-me, not just in general, but – on the Harden thing where I go, you got to figure out a way to get a little bit more involved. But he was pointing out some of the traps, making the right read. You know, D'Antoni said that after the fact. D'Antoni and no, like, the actual value in some of these quotes is meaningless because D'Antoni's going to be like, yeah, you know what? James has had some real flameouts, and uh, I guess we'll throw game five on the resume, too. <laughs> you just that Clippers game a couple years ago? Yeah, he just didn't shoot. Kind of weird. Yep. So if you're going to – if you're Harden – because watching the game, too, when Durant went out – didn't you see Harden and those guys go kind of crazy energy for two minutes? Like, oh my gosh. No, I, was hosting, I was hosting a TV show, so okay. I didn't. All right. but. You didn't. Now, Houston cut the lead. They had already worked their way back, but there was a real energy there from Harden and those guys once Durant left the game that I, I thought was fairly visible. But to go 7 and essentially not have a shot in game flow, he had one board, one assist, one turnover. He took the tech free throw and then made the open layup that they gave him. Golden State's running really good traps at him late. They kind of wait until the end of the game when they feel like they want to force the ball away from him. But that doesn't that still doesn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't make any no. sense at all. So that's my position. I, I, if Durant leaves the game, the energy would be would be understandable because you're going, oh man, if we steal this, we go home and we can close this thing. If, if he's hurt, and it's over. We don't ever have to come back to this place ever again in our life. And just the idea that Harden, who everything runs through, whose whose usage rate or numbers of dribbles, yada yada, whatever the hell the, the the proper terms for me to use as it relates to the guy that has the ball in his hands and dribbling the ball more than anybody else is is him. And so that's cool that they're running some traps, and it's clever that you spring it late. But just the idea that Harden's not capable of getting the ball, even in spite of that, and getting a shot up or trying to get to the line. 
is just baffling to me. Uh, particularly as vulnerable as Golden State would have had to have been, but I, I just felt like Kerr's comments afterwards were just so illuminating, like how significant he felt like that last quarter that he got from his guys was. You know, what at minimum, it gives him time to let Durant maybe get healthy, and at minimum, it guarantees that if Houston's going to do it, they're going to have to come back to Oakland to beat him. So, I don't know. It, it, felt, it felt enormous, just what they got out of the guys but, I mean, the, the idea that, that Durant left and suddenly it's like the kids from the Sandlot out there. I mean, you've still got some, you still got some guys that can go on the floor. I'm scared. I'm so scared of, like, what Houston's going to be able to do now defensively because they're going to just go, hey, we help off of everyone now. And they were doing a good job of, of mucking up Steph early and, and Clay. I'm like, it was weird because, like, I can't keep track of these Stephen A stories. Like, he had, he had that Clay wasn't happy. When all I've heard is that, hey, we're just offering him the max and it's a done deal. Okay. That's what I've heard. And then Stephen A had the other one today where it was Jeannie Buss is, he was like, Jeannie Buss is being told by people close to her that she should trade LeBron. And then he said, it's actually people that are in Hollywood. It's not basketball people, just friends, and I'm not reporting it. Like, well, too late. You just said it. So I was thinking, like, what are we talking about? Somebody's in her spin class and just goes, Jeannie, you should trade LeBron for like a million bucks or awesome people. And I'm like, okay, cool, right. thanks. And now, now it's like, hey, we got in the bees here. Somebody in a spin yeah, class we, was was maybe telling Jeannie yeah. Buzz here to. <laughs> trade. Yeah. I don't you know. Saw Zach Galifianakis' <laughs> brother at the so at the juice press, and it was like, hey man, you should move him. Or <laughs> <laughs> kale guy. Yeah. It's like, have you thought about maybe flipping him for Lillard? No, it's imported kale. It's not that. Garbage that they put on the Pizza Hut salad bar. This is real kale. What are you okay. trying to say about the Pizza Hut salad bar? When I actually think there's that's, a chance you've eaten decorative. there. That's decorative, Rosillo. It's not edible. Oh, There's a oh. big difference between, between edible and decorative. When's the he last time you ate a Pizza Hut by yourself? He's been to Machu Picchu. All right? He gets them from the hills of Machu Picchu. That's right. The last that's time right. I ate Pizza Hut salad bar, when I was selling beepers with Stuart Van Houten and Mobilecom. It was a bleak time. We covered this. No, we have. When, we I, was have. Beeper, when, I, was, when I was a beeper salesman. Not a good one. Okay. We should do some sort of timeline thing where we ask each other questions about the other person's timeline and whether or not stuff's true or not. Then I also had this other segment idea because I was so proud of of who's the jerk, and I was relentless in that I didn't want anyone to tell me how it should be altered because I just knew it was going to work. But yep. maybe you, Steve, and I just take it to another level to challenge the friendship, and we just call it Who Sucks. <laughs> And we could do times that we sucked. Are we going to? Are we going to point out very? Because if we're only going to do that segment, if we have really specific moments in time, it's really about. Hey, I just that thing is really just called. Hey, I want to tell you about that time. I want to punch you. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I both agree. Like, look, I know where I fit in the food chain here. I don't want any part of you, and neither one of us wants any part no, of the big boy. No, no, none. No, no, not at all. No, not but never. I hope there was never a time there was. Maybe one time where I had to say I'm I'm pretty mad at you, but uh, yep. I didn't. I hope I, I never. I I feel I like I've be, I, yeah, I do too. I feel like I've become <laughs> a little overrated over the years in in that kind of stuff. But I hope you never thought that I was carrying myself around like I was some sort of tough guy. That if we got into a disagreement, that I was always going to go like twenty year old Boston guy and challenge you to a fight because that was that's definitely not true, right? I hope. Well, no. 
No, I never. No, of course not, because I it, we weren't in a fraternity. We were at work, and I assumed you wanted to get paid the next week. Like, no, like we weren't in the voo at Maryland. Like, I wasn't looking across. Going, Dude, that SAE is going to wreck me by the hot dog stand at two o'clock. I was going to grab a grilled not. cheese and get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I'm going to duck out because Rosillo is probably going to be waiting for me on Knox Road. I never thought that. Uh, I just thought, you know, I just knew, you know. He's a guy that's been been in some scraps in his day, and I I haven't is to to the to that level, and I just you know I just know that. And then we both look at Steve and go, well, neither one of us could hurt exactly. him if we had a brick. Right, right. We could, we could throw we could throw cement at him, and it wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, because that always kind of kept me in check. Because I happen to be like I would get all this this praise, but then I'd be like, yeah, but that's actually like a real tough guy over there. Okay, he's from a mill town, and a bunch of his fingers don't even work anymore. And I just he know. Like a bro- they said he dislocated his, his elbow like a chicken wing, and they shoved it back in so he could play in a Rose Bowl with a Transformers brace on. Right, right. And I still I, think, too, that this is this is important. I, I feel like I cut you off there a little bit. So if you had more there, no. just go ahead. No, no, I don't. I okay. don't. Go ahead. But whenever anybody asks me, and I, I know that people listen to the podcast, the reason why it still works and the reason why I want to do this is because for two guys that were in a room together for that many hours, for that many years, we actually didn't have many disagreements at all, which is pretty incredible considering our personalities. I, I actually agree to think that it's, there's only like five. Great upsets in the history. Of, yeah. it's, it's one of the great upsets of all time. And and to be just totally honest with, with the people, I think we've, we've talked about it. We, we let it built to the point that the one time it happened, it was like Mount St. Helena and the, and the top blew off. But, as I recall, we we just kept right on going into the two o'clock hour, had a good show, and then really never, you know, didn't carry a grudge, which is another thing because I'm a grudge carrier. As I showed at the beginning of this podcast, wanted to like let the let the people that didn't believe in us know that they were wrong. But you and I like managed to never really carry any beef through it, which is some, I don't know. I'm a grudge carrier. So I'm a, that, I'm a that, big yeah, it. right. I mean, look, we're number one seeds in the grudge carrier tournament, no yeah. doubt, and we're playing at home in the second weekend. But correct, <laughs> it always was over pretty quick because I knew I liked yep. you, and I knew you know kind of. I think that's the best test of friendship is that once you get through that part, you go, okay, you know what? Like, what am I going to do? Be mad the rest of the time? And then I'd hear about all these other shows where everybody hated each other the whole time, and you go, which I'm one? Mad. Tell them which. Who, who, who are the people? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, here's what, here here are my demands. We need to be able to cuss once a podcast. Saruti? Once. I mean, you can you can cuss all you want. I'm just going to have to bleep it, but that's okay. Oh. I don't want to make your job more difficult, unless we do Pulse of the Nation, which I'm sure we'll probably have to do at some point. We'll have to do a Pulse. We'll have to do... we got to do some new stuff, though, you know? Like, let's get the collaborative brains working here and think of something new. And by the way, you're driving it, because it's old school SVP and Rosillo. See, that's that was my biggest fear, because... Uh, I, I, was, I haven't asked that yet, but so that's what. So when we come on, I have to be the one. I got to do this. I got to do the reset. There's no reset, there? No, there's live reads. Unless, do you want me to do all that stuff just because I've been doing it, and then lay out and have you, have you just because the, the great thing about this now is that there was some real dented ego stuff on my end, but it wasn't from you. It was from from other people where I'm like, you know, am I ever going to get the recognition on the show that I need? Now I don't care for this podcast. I just don't. So we can do whatever you want to do, and I don't think it matters, first of all. But if you want to, like, lead in guest, I mean, it's not that exciting to read the reads, <laughs> but if you want to. No, I don't really I, – I couldn't care less. That, that's, that's really what it 
what it boils down to. Whatever like, makes it easiest to handle the, the logistics. These are probably things we can handle offline. So our listeners don't have to listen to us talk about stuff. They don't even know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like there's people going, maybe I'll just, you know, I might not subscribe, yeah. but I'll check out the first one. What What's the verbiage I'm supposed to use? Subscribe, unsubscribe, read? Like, what is that? Is that how you cook the books and make it seem like you have a lot of subscribers? Yeah, but ESPN has like a very legit um, tracking thing now because I've looked at our total numbers and some of our initial like individual subscriber numbers and then I'll see some presentation from some other podcast. Um, and I'm not talking about the monstrous ones. Like we know how well um, Big Cat PFT and, and, and Bill do. Like I can see some of that stuff, but then I'll see some other stuff. And like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like that doesn't make any sense. So we have a new thing at ESPN that's about as real a number as it gets. So I don't even know if any of that stuff even works anymore. I think here what we do this. How about we just pump out good content and yep. every time you have come on with me, it's easily been the most downloaded podcast that I do. So uh, let's just do it. Okay, so that's that. We'll sort out the reads. We'll definitely do it monthly until we get to football and then we'll do more. We'll definitely come up. We can't just try, go with the tried and trues because the stuff that worked seven years ago might suck now. Yeah. So we'll come up We'll come up with new new devices to get to the fun content and uh, tee it up and let it rip. Sounds good, man. Um, I'm, I'm pumped. No, I really am pumped, and I think people are too. We know it. Just here's the thing: it, the reason we are doing it is only it's not only selfish, but I just know how often people ask about it and all this different stuff. We're like, look, why can't we just do this? Why can't we just throw in another thing here um, and start it up? It'll be June third, I think, is one of the first ones scheduled. Be done because I got. I'm gonna fly back, so we make sure we do it right, at least for that first okay. one. And then we'll mail it in, you know, probably around the fall or something like that. We we'll start mailing mail a little bit. Yeah, be sure. But I, I, I echo that too. We, we, we both could, you know, make what we've got on our plates enough. But there's room on the plate for this because people have been incredibly kind over the years, and that means a lot. And nothing I've said that I've said this, and I'll say it again. Nothing I've ever done at the place has been more fun than this. So the idea that we can, uh, that we can dust it off, shine it up and do it again is awesome. So let's go. All right, my man, have a great rest of the weekend and I will be talking to you soon. I look forward to it. I got a few other things that I want to say here before we go to break, which will be about a week long break. I'll be doing the NBA combine next week in Chicago. So always excited to head back to Chicago and certainly when it's one of my favorite things ever, the NBA draft, which is awesome. But not as awesome as Box of Awesome. Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every month with the Box of Awesome. They test everything in the Box of Awesome themselves, from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Every product gets put through the ringer before it gets put inside a monthly Box of Awesome. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. To get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com, enter the code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code RUSSILLO, for 20% off your first box. Also, a reminder to everybody to check out Zach Lowe, the Low Post Podcast. Please subscribe to that. He asked me to be on it on Wednesday. I was on a plane. And the guy next to me dumped a beer all over us and then blamed me, which was fascinating. You can check out that story on Jalen and Jacoby because I'm not going to tell it again right now. 
Give me one minute on Liverpool. Oh, okay. Uh, Who you know are you rooting for, by the way? I'm rooting for Tottenham uh, because I don't Hot like Spurs. I don't like Liverpool. Um, Why not? Tot- Tottenham is, I guess, some people call them like the hipster club because um, all the cool kids, all the new soccer fans, are kind of Tottenham fans. I've noticed. But honestly, I don't know. I'm not a big Liverpool guy either. There's like a, t- I don't know. There's just like a, first off, in all transparency, my English Premier team is Everton, which is basically. Liverpool's direct rivals. Well, so thank you. A little for, bit. Thank you for admitting your bias. Yeah, listen, I'm 100 percent biased here, so I got to be rooting for Tottenham. But uh, you know, incredible comebacks by both teams. But I just I can't root for the red team. To be honest with you, sorry. Plus, I feel like Liverpool has a bunch of like bandwagon fans, but we don't even get into that. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but doesn't Liverpool have blue jerseys? No, they, Didn't have, they have light blue at one point. No, they have a purple and an mm-hmm. orange, totally and off. they had like a totally white, off. I believe. Man know. City has the light blue ones. They're the light, yeah, they're like the Carolina, Carolina. Carolina-ish, yeah, kind of. Yeah, not exactly Carolina, because Carolina blue is one yeah, of the Yeah, it's its own colors. thing, let's be honest, come on. Carolina blue is the sickest, sickest color. Just awesome. Mm. No? It's a good color. You don't love their uniforms? I, I, I think I did like uniforms. 10 years ago more than I do now. Well, I guess I'm just thinking of like, just the peak, whatever the peak UNC Jersey, was. Jersey in the shorts and the tar heel, like that stuff's awesome. It's money. It's good stuff. I probably would have gone there if I were including anywhere. the argyle. The argyle? Are you kidding? It's unbelievable. It's a good look. It's a good look. It's not quite, you know, the St. John's old well, script. The, you, know, the red. you know what's funny? Well, what? um, and this was before my time, so I apologize. But who the thirty for thirty that the, it was just about? What was his name? Felipe Lopez. Felipe Lopez. Yes, sorry. What was that? Early nineties. Uh, it was mid ninety. We were about the same age, so when he was, he might have been a year or two older than me. Because when they lost that game to Detroit in the tournament, I remember being in my dorm watching it. So yeah, I was probably in. I was about eight around then. But I do remember those St. John's jerseys, and they were awesome. I love those. Those were kind of weird, though. They were the big, but everything was big. Yeah, and the material, and they had a weird skyline with like the, the thing going on the shorts. I also love the Ron Artest era ones too. They were a little bit different, but similar. Yeah, those were some of the Jordan Brand ones, and then Jordan Brand just dropped them. Because at first, like, Jordan Brand had them, and I had a couple of the Jordan Brand zip-ups when Jordan Brand would only do so many schools, but they wanted to be in New York City, so they wanted to be St. John's because it was the New York City school, and now uh, hasn't quite gone the way they they planned it. So they ended up, um, they're with Under Armour now. Last time I checked, yeah, Under Armour. Okay, so that made me really sad, thinking about St. John's again. So maybe I'll... uh, Sorry. No, you go pick, over. You, do you pick a EPL team yet? Like we need to get you a squad. That's here. what I wanted to ask you. Who would who would be a good fit for me? Well, you got to pick a. You got to you know how much I love team. the Champions League. So. Yeah, you got to pick one of the big teams, which is you know either City, United, no. Liverpool, Tottenham, um, Chelsea, or Arsenal. What about Newcastle? I always liked them on the video game. So Newcastle, cool, cool club, uh, a lot of history, but not really great right now. Kind of in a rut. They were they were relegated a couple years ago. They've since made it back up, but. They're not really going anywhere anytime soon. All right. Well, I'm going to table this until after the NBA draft. I'll do some more research on it mm. coming up. I like it. All right, everybody. I hope you're pumped about the new thing, the new announcement. And uh, if I sounded a little tired, it's because I am on two hours. I'm not even tired, but I could tell early on. I was like, my voice sounds shot. So if you stuck it out to the end of this one, just tweet me a big old thumbs up. And let me know you made it.